0: Over the years, I've been criticized for discussing injustices that have both a moral and political context. If my observations cross extremist agendas in any way, I get bullying, threats, swear-filled emails, and the like. Stick to the NDEs and leave the effing politics out of it, is basically what I'm told. The problem is, all of life, including politics, has a spiritual component— that NDEs are designed to inform. So now seems like a good time to bring the God-given spiritual insights of NDEs to the delivery table. We NDEers were sent back to our bodies for a reason, to remind our communities that compassion and love must put an end to hatred and division. Remember, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One topic where NDEs need a place at the table is in understanding abortion. Politicians spread the lie that women are killing their unborn babies on a whim and push through unpopular state laws to sweep up OBGYNs and their patients in these dragnets they create. In some states, white male politicians have made abortion illegal for nearly all stages and conditions of pregnancy, even if that pregnancy involves a real risk to the woman's or baby's physical or psychological well being. Examples that would normally warrant an abortion include ectopic fertilization, severe birth defects in the fetus, and pregnancies caused by rape, incest, and some other devastating family situations. Why in the world would we force a pregnant woman facing an unbearable pregnancy to deliver a damaged or damaging child? Answers to that question range from cruel to absurd, as do the punishments demanded by these cruel and absurd state laws. Abort a fetus, they threaten, and doctor and patient will go to jail. Never mind the doctor was doing what was medically necessary under the circumstances, and the mother was going through the difficult procedure for completely understandable reasons, including miscarriage, infection, deformed fetus, pregnancy from rape or incest or both. And much of this undeserved cruelty is inflicted on young, even preteen girls raped by family members. And then there's the fetus being removed. Perhaps it has already died. After all, about 26% of pregnancies end in miscarriage, God's own abortions, and babies can die in utero right up until they are due to be delivered. Both circumstances can result in depression and mourning and can frequently happen to a mom who really wanted that child. Can you imagine postpartum depression times 100? Why would politicians want to deepen a woman's suffering by insisting she can't get the D and C she needs following a miscarriage or forcing her to go through the painful process of vaginally delivering a dead fetus? As a hospital chaplain, I counseled a number of women who had to undergo that difficult process. But at least my state of Maine keeps legal the medical care necessary for the removal of a fetus. In many other states, white male legislators, for purely political reasons, are passing laws that threaten the mother's life. Moreover, those same politicians want to make birth control illegal too, meaning more women will be trapped into unwanted pregnancies by careless or abusive men. How did we arrive at such a stupidly cruel situation? After all, Roe v. Wade had established for half a century the rights and restrictions necessary to allow women and their doctors control over the decision of when to end a pregnancy. Elements that poison a woman's right to choose include male dominance, racism, flawed religious beliefs, a Catholic-dominated Supreme Court, and highly emotional, politically-driven social media. We could spend all day delineating the details on, on that list, but let me give just three examples. One, male dominance. Historically, a man legally owned his wife, and especially the fetus she carried. The Bible's Old Testament describes how, when a man suspected the fetus was not his, could have it aborted by the Hebrew priest. The abortion procedures even spelled out in the book of Numbers. Two, racism. Remember all those starving, dying children you see in World Hunger TV ads? If the world needs more babies, there they are. Just feed and clothe and heal and educate and love them. Except for that one problem for the racists, those babies are often brown or black. Number three, corrupted religion. The Bible tells us, and Jews and most Christians used to believe, that the soul enters the body when the baby gets born and takes its first breath now for political reasons a weird non-theological notion is assumed that the soul is handcuffed to the egg and sperm at the moment of conception this has been decreed not by theologians with spiritual understanding but by politicians with a misogynist agenda so when does a zygote later a fetus finally a baby at last become an independent human well, here's where ND ears and pre-birth experiencers can clarify things. Most certainly when the baby is born and takes its first breath. Before that, the fetus is a developing creation of the mother's body. The intended soul may come for a visit or even take up residency, but the soul can apparently come and go until then. It's only when birth takes place that the soul is committed to living that life, unable to leave that body until it dies. That's the situation the mother's soul is in. She's committed to her life for the rest of it, while the baby's soul is free to find another mom or return to heaven if it wants. Today, we want to dedicate this show to a deeper look at the relationship of the most important souls involved in pre-birth, the mothers and the babies. And I mean potential baby, because without a soul, a fetus holds only the potentiality of individual life. It is not a human being unless and until it gains a soul. In her poem, Radio, the late poet Diane de Prima offered this line. In Hasidic Judaism, it is said that before we are born, an angel enters the womb, strikes us on the mouth, and we forget all that we knew of previous lives, all that we know of heaven. To that, I would add, before the angel visits, We know exactly what we've agreed to, especially if a miscarriage or an abortion is part of the plan, and we're prepared to deal with it. I wanted the mother I was born to, and it's my belief I waited through her first pregnancy and miscarriage to be born to her by way of her next pregnancy. In short, there are no laws mankind can write that touch the profound complications of a fetus and mother's soul connection. So, please stop with all the cruel and unusual handmaid's tale laws. Leave it to the God given souls of mother and child to sort out their fates. Today's show is fortunate to be graced with some insights from return guest Janice Goff, who knows more than most people I know about the circumstances of souls. Janice, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Hi. <laughs> it's good to be back, Lee.
0: You had said that. Even before you were pregnant, you you had heard from your uh, at least one child, maybe both.
1: I actually did hear from both boys. The first one was only a um, uh, an awareness that someone had entered my body. And since I had never been pregnant before, I, as a female, I suppose, I intuitively knew, that someone had entered my body and I was pregnant and I was going to have a baby. And sure enough, I was pregnant. Uh, There was no communication per se with language with that uh, first child experience. Mm -hmm. The second child um, who was born eight years later, uh, Kenny, my husband at that time, he was TDY, tour of duty to another state. And I was at a lake one night with my first child, who was eight years old at that time. And we were night fishing. And I stood up, looked at the sky and heard with my ears, hang on, I will be there soon. My name is Matthew. Uh (laughs) I did not feel anything enter my body at that time. I just knew for sure that, you know, I would be pregnant real soon. So Mm. as soon as Kenny came back from, you know, California, um, definitely was pregnant. And I knew that his name was Matthew and it was going to be a little boy. So I didn't bother to go through all the, you know, pre-birth testing to find out what you were going to have. I just, you know, it, he had already said his was, name was Matthew, and I knew that that would be a little boy. So then my only next job then was to set about and figure out his middle name. So <laughs> that was, you know, that was the easy part.
0: <laughs> now, did, did, when, when he spoke to you, did he seem like a, a little child or did he seem like a mature being
1: the voice was not in baby talk it was more like um a mature person i i I guess now thinking back on that i would say like teenage years real clear real audible Mm -hmm. just a very mature voice mature is a good word for that lee
0: because uh, i think some people envision like little baby souls getting into little baby bodies and it's these are mature beings these are
1: yeah yeah, 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 they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe live past lives, had experience being alive.
1: Exactly. And I have since learned, um, I've only shared that with a few people. Um, some were, you know, kind of astounded at that. They weren't, they were not aware that that process happens, that, um, you know, basically the spirit can enter the body before you're pregnant. Uh, As it did with my first child, Um, that was, and I'm saying that, enter the body before you even had sex to get pregnant. So Mm. uh, people, you know, weren't aware that that process happens. Uh, But since then, I've visited with um, several people and some that you've actually interviewed. One was uh, Robin Lensong, And she said, you know, I hear this a lot. This happens to a lot of people. So she has sort of a track record of this experience that these spirits who are coming to earth actually do inform us some way or another, either verbally, audibly, or physically, we feel that before we even become pregnant to have them, um, you know, birthed within our body. So uh, that was amazing to me to know that there are a lot of people out there that has this experience.
0: So that soul can see the future, basically.
1: Well, that's one way of putting it, Lee.
0: At least as far as the pregnancy goes. they must At
1: have- least as far as the plan goes, right? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> there appears to be a plan. I hadn't quite thought about it in that frame of thinking where, you know, we do plan ahead. And I guess that's where it comes from, you know, people, we've been told from indie years and all other kind of experiencers that uh, we have chose the life that we're living, the afflictions, the families, the, you know, the you know, we've got a plan before we come to this earth. Now, whether it's specifically ours or whether it comes out of the great oneness that we've all worked together to put together a plan for us to have when we come. um, Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. There is some sort of plan when our spirits enter this 3D world.
0: So in that case, when a fetus miscarries, Or the woman has an abortion, do you suppose the soul knows in advance and isn't there for that event?
1: You know, I'm under the impression there are no accidents. And I'm also under the impression, from my experience and confirmation from others, that when our time is up, our time is up. And it doesn't matter what it takes to get us out of this body, whether it's a car wreck, um, an intruder comes into your home. it doesn't matter what it's going to take to get you out of your body when your time is done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that includes abortions that includes anything. If there is a master plan that we're living out of, all of those things are part of that plan. And we already know that we live by our feelings On a daily basis so some of this plan in the moment is not comfortable Mm -hmm. it can feel you know the event can feel evil to us it can feel stressful we can have anxiety we can lose our mind and literally go mental with things um it's not neat and tidy but if we really focused on the fact that this is part of our plan of our journey Maybe we would have enough strength to facilitate and, you know, maneuver through the event to not lose our mind, to not go overboard on anger, fear, retaliation, you know, all of those kind of things.
0: Oftentimes when people have had like terrible accidents, car accidents, they find that they've left their body (laughs) before the accident, just before the accident. In other words, I interviewed a woman just uh, a couple weeks ago who uh, was hit by a bus, run over by a bus, but she didn't feel that because she was already out of her body before, Mm -hmm. just before the accident occurred. So I imagine that, I mean, if a soul knows in advance, and if this is part of the agreement, then I would think they would not be there for the actual event, they would, they would either not be there at all, or they would leave quickly before it, before it really happened?
1: You know, I think it's real important to look at language.ly You know, the word accident came out of the insurance system. Uh-huh. And because of that, we have imposed that word on so many things in our life. So if being hit by the bus and leaving her body and having an India experience was part of her journey, That is not an accident per the insurance definition of accident. Mm. So what else could we call it? Um, It's it's an event in our journey here on this earth. And I think we really need to watch our language and how it imposes on us definitions for what happens in our life. Because Mm. we follow those definitions with our feelings and that's where we end up being angry or um distraught or you you know the whole that i mean there's a whole gamut of stuff that follows that word accident and what that means for us um i do remember a, a great uncle one time fell down these stairs now he was quite an interesting character and he was down south so down south you know we we kind of lived in a a different type of system box (laughs) and belief systems that you know it, it was different um but when he got to the bottom of the stairs he got up he leaned up on his elbow and he said well I am so glad that's over with, (laughs) and and I remember that my whole life. And I'm like, you know, he recognized even unconsciously that there was some part of a plan here, and I'm glad that event is over. (laughs) He didn't. He didn't get up and complain. He had an accident. His hips (laughs) hurting, or he broke his rib. Blah 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 blah. You know, he. he It was was all part of the plan. That was over.
0: <laughs> well, you know, something like more than 25% of pregnancies end in miscarriages. So I wouldn't think that souls would be announcing themselves or even entering a fetus if they thought it was going to, if they knew that it was going to miscarry as part of the plan.
1: Well, you know, I, and I think it was Jesus that used the phrase, in the world, but not of the world. Mm. And that is part of the description of what happens when a spirit comes into, into into the body. And no matter how much time it's got here and it leaves, quite often part of the plan was just to come through this arena, but not to stay here, be in the world, but not of the world. You don't live here. So part of the plan is to journey through this world and the energy, the the dimensions, whatever all of this means to, you know, that powerful spiritual beingness that didn't stay here. They just needed to come through this arena.
0: Now, you had an experience of a soul coming to you and asking you to intercede with the mother who'd had an abortion. To comfort oh, her. Oh
1: yes, tell us yeah. about that. The mother was a woman that I actually knew, and or I knew of. She wasn't a close, um, like in my basket, you know, close contacts. But I did know her, and her life was a wreck. She had done everything she could do to sabotage her life, and uh, because she lived constantly in grief and anxiety, so we're talking, you know, heavy drug use, alcoholism, um, mental illness, um, sabotaging relationships, couldn't hold a job, you know, all of the living in her car, you know, for a while, all of the things that, that you do when things are not neat and tidy and that's very uncomfortable life. Um, so what I did not know, Uh, because evidently she hadn't revealed too much to too many people, um, was that she had had an abortion. Now, I didn't know this until later on. So I had this little spirit that came to me one night and said, I need you to tell my mother that we made this plan and that we were in agreement, and she didn't use the word plan, she said that we were in agreement that I would come through her, only come through her, and so she, she said, I need you to tell my mother that, because she's destroying her life, and she has a whole a whole life to live and so much to give to others. So um, I don't know, as it happened, maybe within two months, I did see this gal and I said, you know, I have something I need to share with you um, because she didn't know too much about my life. I didn't know too much about hers. It it was not, it was not real comfortable in the beginning, but I'm ready to jump into it regardless of the outcome because I knew it was true.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I, I told her, I said, I had this little, little female. It was a little girl, little female spirit come to me and tell me that I needed to tell you that y'all had made an agreement that she would come through you, but not live here. And so this gal breaks down crying and and I'm really affected as well, but I'm kind of waiting for the rest of the story. And she began to tell me that yes, she had an abortion. In fact, she initiated the abortion herself, which destroyed part of her internal organs at, at that time as well. but she did, So the grief that she had been living with was that she killed her baby, and that was driving her insane. So the very fact that someone basically doesn't know anything about her life comes to her and says, you and this other person, before you came to earth and before she came to earth, you were in agreement that you would help her come through the world, but not stay here. And that lifted a mega, mega weight off this woman. She turned her life around and the help groups that she began to start for um, aborted grief was just amazing. And this was in the Omaha area and the people's lives that she began to touch because she knew intimately what these people were going through. So this, you know, this changed her life completely. But it's not, it doesn't always happen this way that we get to a point of consciousness that we understand there is a plan, Lee, and use that that, that word was really good. There's a plan. And I just happen to not believe in accidents. Um, I believe each one of us has a journey to fulfill. And we can we can make all the best laid plans, but we already know the universe, God, whatever is going to straighten this out. And when the changes are made to modify the way we think we should be driving our plan and going in a particular direction is not always neat and tidy. Sometimes we're angry, it doesn't feel good, it's you know, this and it's that, whatever, but there is a plan. And if you believe in that word accident and you disconnect it from the insurance definition and make it your own, I think you're going to constantly live in confusion about your own journey.
0: Mm. Wow. That's a powerful story. Well, thank you, Janice. I, I wanted to get your input on this. Let me ask you one other thing. I, uh, I've always wanted to talk about on the show that you witnessed. I think an Indian ritual that restored a child's had a disability.
1: Yeah, a child's mind. That was amazing. I, I'll yeah. never, ever, ever forget this. This child was. I I think he was like. Four years old. He had never talked. He didn't have body functions, complete body functions. He was constantly having to be held and couldn't walk. They had to feed him, blah, 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 blah. So you you know, when you see a child like that, something's drastically wrong and you can call them by any, I mean, medical has, has a box all of us fit in. So, you know, whether whether this child was considered a mongoloid or I, I, I have no idea. All I know is this, this child was heavily handicapped. You looked into the, into the little boy's eyes. There was no one home. It was, uh, the eyes were there staring out, but totally vacant, was not watching movement, didn't appear to be hearing anything or seeing anything that attracted him. And, you know, going on four years old, we've got this generally a real active child, regardless of what disability they've got. Um, Anyway, one of the elders had went into ceremony, and this was uh, Sue in South Dakota. One of the elders had went into ceremony on behalf of this child. And he fasted and prayed and went to the sweat lodges and Brought other elders in um, because they, this particular elder and a medicine man, knew that this little boy held a miraculous spirit that was going to, that could do some amazing things for their people. But in the condition this little boy was in, he would never even grow to be, a, you know, a functional adult. So they, invested all their time and resources into the ceremony and during this time the elder was told that the little boy's mind had never connected into the body so basically then the whole tribe came together to have a ceremony to birth the mind into the child so how do you how do you have a body on earth with a brain with all body functions and can eat, but is totally unaware and, and can have, you know, bowel movements and urine and all these things that's controlled by the brain, but no mind. Now that leads me to way more questions than I have scientific information or knowledge to connect about the mind and the consciousness being outside our body and needing to connect into our body. Um, But this is what they, they understood that and had a ceremony to birth the mind into the body of this child. And I, it was one of the most moving things I will ever have happen in my life is to see this child actually come alive, and it was it was like you know when you give um, a pair of these glasses to people that are um, can't see, mm-hmm. and you give them a, that pair of glasses, and all of a sudden they can see the light, they can see their parents, they can see it, and it's so emotionally, physically, and spiritually moving, and that. That depth of um, being in the presence of that little child coming alive was, uh, it, it was all encompassing for me. It was more than just being in present for the birth, literal birth of a child in, in labor and delivery. It was it, it was huge in my life. But there again, it brings up way more questions than I've ever had answers for. And I've never heard of that happening again since then.
0: I imagine it has
1: because the children in India and the families in India report all kind of miraculous things happening over there. So I'm assuming this does happen more than my little person is aware of.
0: But you saw the results immediately?
1: Lee, it was within the hour that this child began to wake up and look around. And, oh, my gosh, then there was dancing and celebrations and the food came out. And (laughs) by then, the little boys running around, touching people and raising his arms up to be hugged and held, but different because before he had to be hugged and held as a lifeless little person yeah it was it was just and then you know at at four years old now you've got to learn about your world and how to respond in your world so he had missed a lot of social education just by being present with a family so you know the tribe did come together to help this family actually raised the little boy in his body and he did go on to be um, a real powerful medicine man in ceremony so he was connected in a way that we don't understand if you don't have your mind and consciousness in your body you're still connected to spirit and all the great oneness so what are you getting I don't know I just know that he became a very powerful spiritual medicine man oh. at, at a young age. By teenager, he was teaching people and had totally thrown himself into learning about the earth and sh- letting the earth teach him how to heal afflictions within his own people. Yeah, it's quite a story, Lee.
0: It is. Well, Janice, thank you so much for uh, telling us that, and uh, especially the story about the soul that came and said, well, this was all a part of the plan to begin with. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> thanks, thanks for <laughs> being on the show. You're
1: so welcome. It's always just awesome to get to share these things, and I love listening to everyone else that comes on your show and has all these amazing things to share. It's we have so much to learn from each other if, if we have the medium to do that and you, you are supplying you know a very powerful media for, for us to all hear each other's experiences. And I thank you for that.
0: My thanks to Janice Goff for sharing some of her personal experiences with us and thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to hear this show again or any of our more than 500 archived ad-free, NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE Radio site and hit the past Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at TalkZone for more NDE Radio I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.